ideas and new technology are causing seismic shifts in the media industry. Where are we headed? What does it mean? Keep listening. Media strategist Gabriella Mirabelli talks with the brightest minds in entertainment and business. Meet the innovators, the risk takers, and the disruptors on the front lines of change from Hollywood, Wall Street, Silicon Valley, and beyond. The future is coming to a screen near you. Are you ready? This is the Up Next podcast with Gabriella Mirabelli. Welcome to Up Next. I'm your host, Gabriella Mirabelli. This month, Wipols, the leading authority on Gen Z and millennial opinions and behaviors, has just released their latest trend report on young consumers and the metaverse. Mary Lee Bliss, Wipols' chief content officer, is here to discuss everything you need to know about this important and confusing topic. Mary Lee, thank you so much for joining us today. Thank you so much for having me. Everyone's talking about the metaverse, but it's a bit like mm-hmm. blockchain or NFTs. Everyone's heard of these things and everyone knows they're meant to know what they are, how they work, but nobody feels really comfortable or confident that they really get what they are or more importantly, how it relates to them and the brands they work for. But as always, you are here to break it down for us. But before we uh, talk about your findings, could you give us some information about the trend report, geographic territory you cover, age of who you survey and the methodology you use? Yeah, absolutely. So Wipulse every month zooms out to look at some of the big shifts that young consumers are fueling. So we look at 12 big topics annually, and we really could not go any longer without talking about the metaverse. (laughs) So we tackled that with a survey among 1,450 13 to 39-year-olds in the U.S. and Canada. We also fielded this in Western Europe. So we'll have a Western Europe report as well. All of our surveys are balanced Um, nationally representative with quotas across age, gender, race, ethnicity, region. And the data from the survey is very recent. It was fielded in January. So it's a a real-time look at how Gen Z and millennials are feeling about the metaverse. Fantastic. It seems like any sentence that once had cyberspace mm-hmm. now has metaverse. Facebook. It's a buzzword. <laughs> Facebook even changed their name to Meta, which is sort of meta of them. And they had that long video where the main takeaway seemed to be holograms. So can you break it down for us at very top level? What is the metaverse? Yeah, absolutely. There's so much confusion. And one of the reasons there's a lot of confusion is because it's become a buzzword that's being applied to a lot of things that already existed. And then also being applied to this futuristic vision that hasn't really been fully realized yet. The futuristic vision that meta nay Facebook are, you know, banking on literally spending billions upon billions of dollars on and other groups as well are building metaverses and these more kind of web 3.0, which we get into uh, in the report. But at the same time, because all brands are kind of jumping onto this metaverse bandwagon, the term's also being applied to other, you know, digital activities that young people have been participating um, in some time. So very generally, the metaverse is a virtual reality or virtual space where users can interact with computer-generated environments and computer-generated representations of other users. So they can virtually do activities play games, shop, hang out with friends, all with digital representations of themselves. That's a general idea of what the metaverse is. Fantastic. And you mentioned, and so let's just get a little bit of clarity, Web 3.0, is that synonymous with the metaverse, blockchain, or both? Yeah, it's it's complicated as so many (laughs) things are here, right? 
<laughs> and it honestly, sometimes depends on who you ask. There's a lot of differing information out there and opinions. Web 3.0 is being called the next generation of the internet by some people. Um, the concept of t- behind Web 3.0 is that instead of the places that we spend our time online being owned by these big giant tech conglomerates, the participants themselves will be the owners. So Web 3.0 is based on blockchain technology. It uses cryptocurrencies, tokens to show ownership of networks. So by your participation in those networks, you're you're owning them. It's Again, there's idealistic ideas behind it. Mm-hmm. There's also, you know, ideas about investment behind it. And yes, the kind of quote unquote true metaverse, these kind of more idealistic and futuristic visions of the metaverse definitely depend on Web 3.0. But that being said, the metaverse, as we get into in the report, it exists now on Web mm-hmm. 2.0. Absolutely. Right. Okay. So the other piece I just want to touch on briefly is the internet of things. Is that part of this or is that outside Mm. of this? Yeah. Well, our definition of the internet of things was when we talked about it at Y-Pulse back in the day, um, was more about um, devices speaking to one another. Um, In the real world, right? In the real world, exactly. And so while there's certainly, you know, a lot of futuristic kind of um, visions around that as well, I I would define that as different from the metaverse, which really is about those those virtual or digital spaces. Great. Well, I think it's important for people when they're thinking that they're sitting in that meeting and they don't want to sound stupid, you know, to understand Web 3.0, it's slightly different from the metaverse, slight and then and then more significantly different from the internet of things. Mm. We've talked, you and I, about how the pandemic put jets on the shift into digital retail spaces. What does retail look like in web 3.0 or the metaverse? And how can I, as a brand, hedge my bets? Yeah. So let's talk about it generally, just about the metaverse in virtual spaces. Retail's already happening. So one of the big things that we, you know, really hammer, try to hammer home in this report is that young people are already in virtual spaces. They're already in virtual worlds through the games that they play, through the sandbox games that they play, like Fortnite, like Roblox, like Minecraft, uh, Animal Crossing. You know, they're already representing themselves in virtual worlds and participating in metaverse activities in those worlds. So hanging out with friends, representing themselves as an av- with an avatar and shopping for virtual products. So that's already happening in virtual spaces and that will continue to happen and to grow. The kind of next steps of that are really interesting. Digital products, honestly, like I remember when there were brands and uh, older generations who were scoffing at the idea of digital goods being appealing to people. Why would you buy something that you can't physically own? You know, it was something that I heard from people. We're a long way from there, right? So young people are spending billions of dollars in these virtual spaces already. They're outfitting their avatars and clothing. So digital fashion is enormous. They're buying homes. They're buying things to uh, decorate those homes. Um, But then 
there is kind of a no, a next future vision where you can actually shop for physical goods in a virtual world. So imagine it being like the next iteration of online shopping. You're going to a virtual store and seeing virtual products. When you buy that, you're buying it for yourself in the real world. You're actually getting that delivered to you. So Squishmallows hmm. is a toy company, right? They recently had a store in Roblox. You could buy a Squishmallow for your Roblox avatar. Imagine that you're buying that for your avatar and at the same time you're buying it for yourself. So you're going to have that shipped to you and your avatar owns it as well. That's kind of already starting to happen and I think will accelerate. Interesting. As an official old person, it all seems really exhausting. (laughs) I mean, I just got over setting my clock on my VCR, um, which I had to get rid of. So (laughs) the thing is, are, are young people interested? I mean, they're already doing it in this sandbox. I mean, it sounds like okay, it's not entirely new, virtual games, virtual worlds. And if we think about metaverse, maybe it's about knitting these together so I can slide from one sandbox to the other with my same avatar. Mm-hmm. But- yeah, that is one thing about the metaverse that is this futuristic vision is that lots of people believe that it will be one space, not the many fragmented worlds that we are have now, but one space where you're doing all of these different things. And how interested... I mean, obviously you take a temperature of of consumers. How interested are they in doing these things? Because I, as an old person may say, why on earth would I buy digital real estate when I can't even afford real real estate? (laughs) What's the interest level in spending this kind of money and this kind of virtual world? Yeah. So young people, I think context is a really important thing here. Young people have grown up spending time in virtual worlds. They might not think of them as the metaverse. And by the way, they don't think of you know, Roblox and, and Fortnite as the metaverse, even though there are very clear metaverse behaviors happening. Mm-hmm. Um, but they've grown, they're growing up in these spaces and they're growing up spending in those spaces. When we talk to millennial parents, the majority of their kids play virtual world games and a large number of them, half of millennial parents with kids who play virtual world games, say their child has spent their money or their partner's money on digital products. And almost a third say their kid has spent their own money on digital products. So they're spending there from a young age. So they're growing up with this as a norm. Mm. So when we kind of then bridge into this idea of a metaverse, a virtual world space where you can go to school, where you could shop, where you can hang out with friends, there's a lot of interest from young young people. Um, we ask them if they believe the metaverse is the next big thing. 67% of young people agree that it's the, quote, the next big thing. And 73%, even more, say that virtual worlds are the next big thing. So again, like be wary of the metaverse being this buzzword that young people don't necessarily apply to their current actions, but there's a lot of interest in it. And when we ask them about the metaverse, kind of their perceptions, not just if they think it's the next big thing, you know, the top things they think about this idea are positive. It's fun. It's cool. It's exciting. It's innovative. Those are the top four. As a brand, you can take those behaviors as as signals as to how people will behave in the future. And you can test drive certain approaches. Would that be a fair way as a brand to say, oh, well, this is a way I can test how to behave, how they behave. Is that yeah, I would take those those kind of attitudes towards the metaverse as signals that young people are going to continue to spend time in these virtual spaces as they evolve and that they're excited for those spaces to evolve and to take to 
to participate in the next iterations of them. So if brands want to continue to reach young people, then they probably are smart to be experimenting in virtual worlds that might not be as built up yet, Mm -hmm. those web 3.0 worlds. Mm -hmm. Um, And many brands are. I would definitely take it as a sign that young people are going to continue to exhibit these behaviors as the metaverse evolves. So I have a couple of questions around behavior. So are young people's in real life behaviors being influenced by their metaverse exposures? Yes, they tell us that they are. And what would be an example of that? When we ask them what parts of their lives are being influenced by the time that they spend in virtual worlds. So the majority of virtual world gamers, which reminder is the majority of young consumers, say that their virtual world influences their life in the physical world. And some of the top ways that's happening is their style, which is very interesting for brands, Mm. their hobbies, so their interests and what they're doing with their time, whether in the game or out. Mm. Um, And really interestingly, things like their confidence and their friendships, which, you know, there are a lot of negative perceptions of the amount of time that young people spend gaming or spend time, spend looking at screens, but there are positive things that happen there as well. Well, one of the things that's interesting is social platforms are widely seen as having a negative influence on self-esteem. Now, I would think that this might have a counterpart in the metaverse. If I can't afford my digital fashion, that would make me feel bad. Another way that I can FOMO and and not measure up. Mm -hmm. But is that not the case? I mean, it's definitely going to be another one of those areas where there are two sides and it's more complicated than good or bad. Um, You know, we certainly see that young people say that time in virtual spaces is making them more confident, you know, and, and we see young people say that about social media as well. We Mm. also see that their avatars, they feel are representations of their personality and they find it easier to socialize with people in many ways in virtual worlds because there's fewer barriers in terms of, you know, that face-to-face kind of awkwardness that they can feel. Again, older generations might really scoff at that, but it's their reality. So I think there's, there's things there that can bolster their confidence. At the same time, sure, you know, as these spaces are flooded with high-end fashion lines, et cetera. Just like in the real world, there's going to be instances where they might feel bad about what they can afford and what they can't. Um, And there's parallels there as well. Are there lessons from social media behaviors that would apply and be ported over? Or should people really just be concentrating on how consumers are behaving in these sandbox mini metaverses? There are absolutely some parallels to social media for brands, I think, especially. We've seen a lot of brands experiment with campaigns in sandbox games, which we call mini metaverses. Again, talking about the Robloxes and the the Fortnites of of the world. And those are really well-received by young consumers a lot of the time. But when we've seen them um, have some backlash and have some real negative feedback from young players is when brands don't credit some of the um, creators that they might be borrowing inspiration from when it comes to, say, designs that they're putting out or gameplay that they're replicating. So we've talked a lot at White Pulse about creditation um, and crediting creators on social media, how vitally important that is on your brand to give the credit to uh, where it's due. And that's absolutely true 
in the metaverse, in sandbox games as well. Another parallel is influencers. It might, again, seem like this kind of crazy concept, but when you're a gamer and your avatar is a representation of yourself, that avatar in essence also is an influencer. And we asked young consumers about brands marketing in the metaverse and marketing in sandbox games. And the majority of them tell us that brands should be using avatars as influencers. Existing avatars, not that they would create their own, but this would be an existing avatar. Existing avatars, absolutely. But you could also create your own. We actually had one respondent say like if they saw an avatar wearing, you know, a a digital fashion line, it makes them more likely to want to wear it themselves, whether they, you know, that's a famous avatar or not. Well, I read about brands like Walmart building a metaverse shopping experience. And Mm -hmm. I just thought, and again, could be, I'm just old and stuck in my ways, but if I want something and I'm want to just purchase it. I just want to look at the list and pick it and have it sent to me. But is it useful to have a, a, a digital store, which I'm going to be walking through? I mean, what is the advantage of that? And does it, if I'm, if I'm Walmart and I'm building something like that, that sounds like it's its own thing as opposed to participating within the sandbox that already exists. Yeah. I mean, one thing I've learned over years of of following trends is to be careful what I may say, because (laughs) there are some crazy things that seem far-fetched that that end up happening and end up becoming a norm. I would say think of virtual world stores as a new iteration of online shopping and online retail. Not too long ago, there were people who said, why would I do that on when I want to see the products? Why would I fill a, a virtual a digital cart when I could just go to the store and get those things myself? Mm, and look right. where we are now, you know, I think could, could virtual stores end up being a dead end possibly, but it's very normal for these generations to buy things in digital worlds. It is I can't emphasize enough how important context is here. They have been Mm. doing this almost their entire lives. So it's not a huge leap for them to step into a virtual store, see a product that they like, buy it. And we hear young consumers saying, I'd love for, to be able to buy something for my avatar and myself at the same time. Well, that's really interesting. So if I'm a brand like, Imagine I'm a luxury brand like Hermes or Prada. How do I participate? What is the way, is it that I build an avatar and I have to have them play the game and then they're wearing the latest line of clothing? What, how do I do it? Yeah, there's so many different ways to approach marketing in sandbox games, virtual worlds, and the metaverse. Um, And that's one of the great things about it, I think, honestly, there's a lot of experimentation happening for high-end clothing brands, for example, which have really jumped into all of these spaces. Some of the first, I would say, brands to do so. Digital clothing lines are kind of a no-brainer at this point. That's happening all the time in sandbox games. It's also now being brought to more kind of new uh, metaverse spaces like the Sandbox is the name of one of them, Decentraland. Decentraland is actually having a big fashion week, a virtual fashion week this month. And 
you know, we see things like Dolce and Gabbana having an NFT clothing collection, Gucci buying land in the sandbox, which could be the site where, um, you know, they allow exclusive access to certain experiences. Adidas as well, buying land in the sandbox. And there's kind of a lot of speculation that it could be where they have access to a metaverse experience for the brand, which would be exclusive to holders of their NFT collection. We see campaigns that are built on experiences. So creating new experiences for young people, whether that's, you know, a a game or a virtual treasure hunt or creating their own stores, whatever it might be. We've seen Nike created Nike land and Roblox and created all sorts of games that virtual players could, could participate in mini games, tag, dodgeball, the floor is lava. Um, and then brought some of those things to their in-person stores as well. So there's so, so many ways that brands can get creative and participate in whether it's sandbox games or metaverses. And so really, I think following some of these frontier blazers, mm-hmm. <laughs> you know, paying attention to what others have done, um, borrowing from inspiration, certainly one way to go about it. Again, like digital clothing, digital products are kind of the step one. I have a question about the real estate piece. Mm. Let's. It, it, it seems strange to me because mm-hmm. real estate, concrete in real life, real estate, there's a scarcity factor. So yeah. There's only so much land. Whereas in the digital world, you can always expand. There can always be more real estate. So why why are you buying it? And Mm -hmm. what is the advantage to buying it versus can't you just build it? Can't you? Is it that you're doing it in somebody else's sandbox? Is that what it is? And so you're securing, you're paying to be in that sandbox? I don't understand. Yeah. So it's definitely you're buying up land in someone else's space or in a space that is owned by by all of the participants. So, you know, there is a quote unquote metaverse real estate boom. It's really across these four major platforms, these kind of newer web 3.0 metaverses, the sandbox, Decentraland, crypto voxels, and Sominium. Listen, there it's again, there is there's so many layers to it, it's so complicated. But the reality is that people are buying real estate in these spaces. I think that there is a scarcity mentality currently because I agree with you. Like I mean, it just, if the promise promise of web 3.0 is that it's disintermediated and the users are the owners, then shouldn't you be able to say, okay, here I am. Ta-da. Yeah. I mean, in the, in the, I guess it's in the way, way, way future of true Mm -hmm. web 3.0. But if you want to be there early, there's limited scarcity. Although it also makes you wonder bit whether there will be artificial scarcity and that it really won't be disintermediated and if it really will be owned by the big players because yeah. they have a vested interest. So sure. And I think that that idea of the metaverses being owned by the participants, that's an idealistic version mm. vision of the metaverse that may or may not be realistic. And again, it really depends on who you ask. Right. Well I suppose it well it, it's how it how it happens, right? Mm-hmm. I mean, it'll, it'll be interesting to, to see. It's how the it... Wild West right now. 
Which is so much like the early days of the internet. I have to say there's so much about the conversation. It feels like we've time traveled to the seventies and we're talking about the web, you know, and nobody really knew what the web would look like, but we're building infrastructure that eventually will become the web, but nobody knew what that truly, truly would be. And here we are sitting in it. um, And we're looking at the future again. Yeah. So every time I see a representation of the metaverse, I see holograms and VR Mm -hmm. headsets. Mm -hmm. Will I need a VR headset? Yeah, it's a great question. I think it's (laughs) the one thing is, you know, how do you represent this futuristic vision of the metaverse where you're stepping into quote unquote of a virtual world. Um, And it's certainly what Facebook is banking on. You know, their vision of the metaverse is very VR centric. That said, you don't have to have a VR headset to interact with the virtual worlds that already exist, the sandbox to central land, you know, all you need is internet access. And the reality is when we ask young people about their virtual reality participation, most don't have access to it. Only 9% of young people own a VR headset. That's just not grown at the rate that people believed that it would. Mm. There's interest in it and that they're interest pricey. continues. They're, they're so expensive still. And, you know, I can look back at years of predictions that, you know, 2019 would be the year that VR took over. 2018 would be the year that VR took over. You know, it just hasn't happened at the rate that people believed it would. And it's not speeding up, you know, adoption's not speeding up. I think there's two things there. I think the headsets are uncomfortable. You can't wear them for long periods of time. I think the price point is challenging. And I think they occlude users from participating in other things. And people, I would be curious, did you do any research about multi-screening while participating Mm. in the multiverse? Because I think that's an interesting way. You know, we know that people multi-screen in other entertainment contexts and are they doing it when they're in the multiverse because that will make a difference with regard to headsets it's a great point um we did not include that in this research but i absolutely agree you know we know that young people are using second screens when they're watching tv they're on social media while they're doing everything else so it makes a lot of sense that they would want that freedom um, and not to be locked into one space Exactly. Exactly. Now we're running out of time, but the very last thing in the report, you note the consumers are buying crypto and buying NFTs and NFTs are almost used. It sounds like currency. Can you give a very quick definition of what an NFT is? Yeah. So actually our next trend report is going to be talking about alt investments and really, really digging in to definitions, participation, and how much young people are actually investing in digital uh, currencies as opposed to more traditional investments. Well, then Um, we can save it. We don't have to dive (laughs) into it now. Everybody's just going to have to tune in next month for that. I'll have a lot to say. Well, I have to say it's a great report and everyone should read it in order to wrap their heads around where the internet is going, what it means for brands, how to interact with consumers. The report is very rich, very useful, very timely. Thank you so much. Thank you. Thanks so much. We've reached the end of another episode of Up Next. I'd like to close by thanking my production team at Up Next, my friend Rob Naughton, the voice artist who recorded our open, and of course, all of you, the members of our audience. Thank you. I'll be talking to you again next time right here on Up Next.